one of the things that I think that we that we did well is that we found a way to use observational learning um, in a systematic way. And we created a new form of professional development that made us or allowed us to be agile and in time and cost effective and meet the needs of our staff and our students um, in real time. A new report reveals that more teachers than usual left their jobs last year as they faced a multitude of challenges in the wake of the pandemic. And research shows that teachers with minimal training leave at rates two to three times higher than those with better training. What teacher training methods are most effective in improving learning outcomes? How can we avoid overloading teachers with additional tasks throughout their training? And how can we create sustainable support systems to retain talented teachers? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Kevin Bross to find out. Kevin Bross is an education consultant at Mindset Works and serves as an achievement coach for teachers in Minnesota. After teaching social studies for years, Kevin now focuses on the professional development of teachers using growth mindset research. In 2022, he was selected by Time Magazine as one of 10 innovative teachers in the country. Today, he joins us to discuss how we can better train and support teachers to produce truly successful outcomes for students. Kevin, welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, excited to be here. So uh, I want to talk about teachers and your career, your trajectory. But, you know, I did my research on you <laughs> and, and, and uh, you're pretty much a renaissance man. I mean, I, I see that, you know, you have roots in baseball. Uh, I want to talk to you about that. But before I do, you're an inventor as well. I mean, you know, well, what, what well, was that all about? <laughs> Well, that's actually a funny story um, <laughs> because I, I, I love to think outside the box. That's just, that's been my thing for a long time. I did, I, I had came up with this idea when we had young children for something called the, what, well, what I called the sip and snack. It was a, it was a snack cup and a sippy cup blended into one. Um, I was on like an inventor's website and sure enough, wasn't too long after that, somebody pushed out a product and uh, it wasn't mine. And I don't know. I don't know if it was my idea or not, but uh, anyway. Ooh, man, you could have been somebody, man. You could have <laughs> yeah, been. <laughs> we could have been having a whole different a conversation whole different here. Conversation. I would say go fund me, Kevin. Right, uh, right. But oh, that's um, funny. thinking out of the box uh, is, is important, especially in the teaching profession. Uh, but have you, did you ever think that, you know, you would, pursue this career as a teacher? You know, it, it's funny you say that. Um, the position the position that I'm in right now didn't even exist when I was coming through through um, college. And um, I, my father was a teacher. Uh, he was a coach. I watched him. I went to the high school that he was teaching at. So it was always in my, uh, in my mind that, oh, that's a, that's a cool profession. It's meaningful. It's, um, you're providing value to society. Um, 
when I went to college, I, at first I thought, ah, it's going to be about the money and I'm going to make a lot of money. And I was a business major for a couple of years and I, I quickly realized uh, I needed something different and and made a pivot and followed in his footsteps. So, But obviously he was a big influence. Um, what What did you think you learned the most from his approach to teaching as you entered the profession? Yeah, I I think relevancy really, really sticks out to me. Um, the why teaching, teaching the why to students, why are we doing this? Um, you know, it's, and it's bigger than the curriculum. It's, it's the, the resilience, it's the grit, it's the, um, learning how to, to lead, you know, all of those, what we call them soft skills, um, are really, really important. And I, and I took that approach as well. Those are sort of the basic things that govern human interactions. Sometimes we can be too mechan- mechanical. And I think that the, the, the rote approach to teaching, even teacher training, uh, without those other skills, uh, it's incomplete. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would absolutely agree. I mean, there's there's so much, you know, when we think about teaching uh, teacher programs, teacher training programs, there's so much that we that we don't help teachers understand. And when they come into the profession, we put them into a classroom and then we expect them to have had that training or had that understanding. And it and it is a gap. And I think we're trying to to work on that with the work that I'm doing in the district that I work in. Now Time Magazine uh, lists you as one of the 10 innovative teachers of the year. And by the way, Kevin, that's something you can put on your resume forever. I mean, it's one one heck of an honor. So congratulations on that. But uh, what were some of the things that you did? And, you know, as you were identified as one of these innovative teachers in America that you think led time to honor you in that way? Yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that. Um, I it's always a little bit uncomfortable because there's so many people involved in something like that. It, this is, this was not just me. Uh, there were so many other uh, teachers and coaches and administrators. There's a, there's a lot of people involved in that process. Um, one of the things that I think that we, that we did well is that we found a way to use observational learning um, in a systematic way. And we created a new form of professional development that made us or allowed us to be agile and in time and cost effective and meet the needs of our staff and our students um, in real time. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's a great system. We you know, and I think that's what stuck out to time. Eventually, uh, you and your school district sort of came up with this approach uh and how did you stumble on this or how did this come to be? Because it is unique yeah. and we're going to go into detail about, yeah, sure. you know, so sort of the, the, the uh, certain aspects of it that uh, has drawn attention nationally and also helped many teachers in your district. After the classroom, I spent 14 years in the classroom and I had, I felt stuck. I felt like I needed more. I needed to learn something more. And I had an opportunity to be an instructional coach at the district level, traveling around the district, going to middle schools and high schools, doing observations, and then helping teachers grow in their professional development. What I learned was that within, um, I don't even know, months, first few months, I realized how much I didn't know. Hmm. 
It was, wow, I thought I was good at this aspect of teaching. And then you see a master do it in the classroom. I'm like, oh my gosh, I stink. I have so much to learn. I, I you know, and so I, I continued to do that for four years. I had so much uh, growth and learning that I wanted to share that with others. Why, why don't we allow other people opportunities to get into classrooms and observe? So I started doing some research and I, I read a book and it was called Instructional Rounds, but it was about administrators and superintendents going into the classroom and putting what they saw to a rubric to help teachers and schools grow. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not how medical rounds works, which is what it was based on. It was in the medical profession. The learners are the people who are in doing the observations. They're the learners. So that's when we decided let's flip that. Let's go back to the roots of, of medical rounds and um, put that into play and, and create a system that would work, that would yeah, mimic that. So how did you make that work that would allow, you know, in such a way that would allow teachers to observe other teachers that may be master teachers in a certain class? Yeah, you know, we started during um, during COVID, the shutdown, and we were we were all virtual, and so that kind of al- allowed us to, um, you know, hey, you have this this period of time off. We're going to do this virtually. Everybody join this Google Meet. We're going to watch how people um, are interacting with their students and getting them engaged in the learning. Once we came back in person. We did have to get creative. We decided to free up teachers during the school the school day. We committed to either finding them subs um, so that they could be relieved of their of their classes for that period of time, and then we got creative with coverage internal as uh, in the building as well. But it really came down to uh, it's a priority. If you know if it's important that teachers learn and grow, then you have to prioritize that and find ways to make that happen. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, hey, we're shutting school down so teachers can learn on this one day. We can do it in real time. How did you match the teachers? Did you, like, if it's a third grade teacher and you're trying to get them to, you know, observe another teacher, was it always a third grade teacher or was it a fifth grade teacher? If it was a math teacher, was it always a math? I mean, yeah. how did you pair them? Yeah, we started, you know, we've had several renditions of this program, but we really started wanting it to be um, interdisciplinary. Hmm. We we took a group of five teachers at a time and we went to four different classrooms throughout the day all different subject areas. And the five teachers that were observing were teaching different content areas and observing people who were teaching different content areas. Um, and the goal was that good teaching is good teaching and it transcends content areas. It really was beneficial to not have a math teacher go watch another math teacher mm-hmm. in the sense that we're gonna get we're gonna get distracted by the content. I hope you're enjoying this episode of What I Want to Know, one of the most downloaded K-12 education podcasts in the country. Make sure you don't miss any of these important topics. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast or social media platform. And leave a rating and review so we can bring you more of the topics you want to hear about. 
Now back to the conversation. Uh, you know, the growth mindset sort of emerged from this. Talk a little bit about how the growth mindset and professional development really relates to this approach you've taken in Minnesota. Yeah, that that has been an absolute game changer for us. When I was um, traveling around the district doing observations, I had learned a little bit about uh, Dr. Carol Dweck's work on growth mindset um, out of Stanford University and wanted to learn more and I couldn't I couldn't get enough and there wasn't enough out there at the time. I stumbled upon a company called Mindset Works that um, Dr. Dweck was sitting on their board and helped get this company off the ground based on her research. And I reached out and I just said, what do you have? Can I, can I learn something from you? And they started sending me some resources and they were in the middle of doing some research as well. They're like, hey, try this out, share this with your teachers, let us know how it goes. And we would do that. And in time, um, you know, I ended up doing some consulting work with them and traveling around the country to share how teachers are using this research, the growth mindset research uh, in their classrooms. But for us in this program, because we did the we unlocked potential by talking about growth mindset first, it allowed instructional rounds to work. I can't stand here and say because you know, when our test scores go up, it's because of this one thing. There's so many variables out there. But what we are using um, is a lot of uh, of data asking teachers, asking students. So one of the things, a question that we ask um, teachers at the end of the year who have all come through instructional rounds is, you know, have you implemented uh, a new strategy as a result of instructional rounds that has impacted student learning? We are almost with the hundreds of of um, observations that teachers have done, we are almost at a hundred percent. Yes. On that. Wow. And we track that year to year student questions. So our district, our school district sends out a, a survey and they have been doing this for um, dozens of years. Generally it's the same questions. Things like um, my teachers teach things in a way that help me learn, or my teachers are interested in knowing me as a person um, I have good relationships with my teachers. Those types of questions, we really focused our instructional rounds at the beginning on team building, relationship building. Like that's front and center. That's number one. Kids learn more if they believe that the teacher cares about them as an Absolutely. individual. And we know that. Well, with those survey questions, um, we're at five and six year highs on those questions. The number of students reporting that they have positive relationships, that um, we put an emphasis on cooperative learning in our building. So we have evidence that it is making a difference, that it is making an impact um, in our schools. I agree with you that, um, you know, test scores alone are not an indicator. We put so much emphasis on test scores, but there are so many flaws to the whole testing approach, you know, one moment in time, you know, it doesn't take into account, you know, the, the mental health or, you know, just this, the, the psychological status of a kid that day. Some, some people are good sort of rote test takers, others are not. Uh, but this idea of, of kids being excited about learning and participating, have you been able to track uh, student participation or attendance or any of those things as a result of this approach? 
Yeah. So we've looked at, we have um, engagement data that we ask as well. And, you know, teachers who come through our program um, with an emphasis on increasing student engagement are reporting back that students are more engaged. Yeah. We have that data and and it, you know, there's also those, those other pieces where teachers are coming through the program and they're feeling invigorated there. It's new, it's different, it's working. Um, And at this time that we're in right now with teacher retention, that's extremely important to us as well. You know, this whole idea of where we are of teachers as a teacher shortage, a lot of teachers feel burned out. They, for many years, many have felt unappreciated. It feels like that teachers are able to build more self-confidence as well as not just improving relationships with their students, but relationships with their peers by being able to sit on these classes. Have you found that to be the case? That is absolutely the case. You know, one thing that that teachers need right now is they need to feel supported. They need a support network. When we when we bring teachers in through instructional rounds, a um, a lot of times they're not from the same content area. Sometimes they are, but not always. You, we've just expanded that relationship in our building. Hey. You know, you just met some teachers that maybe you didn't have close relationships with. We're going to spend the day together. We're going to have an in-depth conversation about instructional practices. Teachers don't have time to do that. And then B, when they go in and they observe all these different classrooms, they now have that connection where it's, hey, if you have additional questions for that teacher, we've just created an on-ramp for you. Um, and so it builds that that collaborative uh, approach as well. You know, this uh, this idea of professional development, I want to talk to you about that just generally and um, and starting with our ed schools. What are some of the things, you know, looking back that you think, you know, the traditional education school in America, just pick one, any state could be doing that would pave the way toward uh, sort of this more robust, holistic approach to teaching that is happening because of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things, Kevin. I mean, I, I wouldn't even, you know, just even picking something out. It's, you know, you could say from, from classroom management to integrating literacy to uh, student voice and choice. Um, it, there's so many areas that, you know, in my, in my experience of, of ed school, we, we didn't touch on any of that. Hmm. Um, not, not in depth anyway. Um, even just, uh, um, building rapport. How do you build, how do you build authentic rapport with diverse groups of students so that all students feel like they are part of the classroom and that they are heard and their needs are being met. The data tells us where our gaps are. Hmm. Follow that data. Now we're going to use instructional rounds to figure out who is doing the best in that area. So if it was literacy, how do you get students to, you know, read and write and listen and speak um, actively in the classroom about their content? Well, I'm going to find the teacher that is doing that the best and we're going to replicate that. And I can do that tomorrow with our program. We don't have to wait for a staff development day. We don't have to wait for the summer. We're going to facilitate an in-depth conversation 
and we can make that happen. And then that teacher grows. Great. Now I'm going to bring another teacher through the program who's going to watch both of those teachers. You know, it's just this cycle um, that that's where the the power really comes from. You mentioned diversity uh, and 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 um, teachers being able to understand how to work with a diverse set of students mm-hmm. in, in terms of ethnic backgrounds, gender, what have yeah. you. But but there's also diversity in terms of uh, the achievement levels of students. It is, it is really hard to teach diverse learners, but I can give you some examples. So um, imagine we have a, we have some teachers that are very, very well trained in cooperative learning structures. These teachers know how to group students in the best way where, you know, this, this group of, of five if you will, we'll have a high achiever, a middle achiever, maybe one of those struggling students, and we'll create a lesson, create a structure that will engage all of them. Hmm. And it's, and it's hard and it's challenging. Okay. So, but that's where we come in. I'm not the expert in every single instructional practice. I feel like our best asset is the teachers that we have in our schools. Um, So we will go and we will observe the teachers who are doing this work and then we'll follow up with coaching and we'll follow up, you know, with whatever they need in order to mimic or replicate what that teacher is doing. Another one would be like station work. You know, it isn't something we see a lot, especially at the high school level. Elementary schools are much more, um, you know, you see that practice uh, in their classes a lot. But that's another great example. We're going to have, you know, four stations and students are going to run through them. One of the stations is going to be um, that they meet individually with the teacher who for those students that need that extra, you know, bit of challenge, that's where it's going to come. And those those students that need that second scoop of learning, that's when they will get it as they come through that station. So those are the things and it takes innovation. It takes time and space for that to happen. But teachers are innovating. They're doing it all the time. And some of the stuff is working great, but we don't know about it because we don't have a way to share or cross pollinate all of those amazing ideas. Uh, But for this to work, you also have to have a supportive bureaucracy and, and school district leadership that is willing to take risk on uh, not just doing the same old, same old uh, professional development um, approach. Um, and it's going to jump out on a limb and with, you know, pressures, and I'm not talking about specifically your school district on this, but with the pressures that school leaders face and superintendents from school boards and parents and, you know, the regulatory community, it's tough. Why do you think your school district was so open to taking this different approach that apparently seems to be working? Yeah. You know, I mean, it starts with the leadership. It really does. Our our leadership in our school in particular uh, was very, very, they did the growth mindset work first. Our teachers, the, the staff members in our building, they believed that we can grow as learners no matter where we are, that we can improve. You know, they understood that, that research first. So we had that culture in place. Then um, the emphasis has always been on, you know, we need to be instructional leaders. We need, we need to grow. Everybody should grow no matter where you're at. Well, then how do we do that? It's very powerful. And uh, 
you know, you speak about culture, and that leads me to my last question, Kevin. This is what I really want to know. How can we shift the culture? Or if you're talking to a a uh, school district leader, how would you suggest they shift the culture around professional development in a way that will encourage teachers, teachers who may be thinking about leaving? Yeah. I mean, I, I cannot emphasize um, the mindset first. I, I, I have worked with another school in particular who tried to do this. They did not do the culture work first. They did not create the mindset mindset shift first and they struggled. So mm-hmm. that is a number one. I mean, we, we have to believe that we can learn and grow before we're, we're actually going to do it. I mean, you have to unlock the potential first. So that would be number one. Number two um, is going to be once we've, once we've unlocked, once people believe that they can do it, we have to start looking at, um, voice and choice. We have to start looking at um, b- the belief that we a one and done approach to professional development isn't what's best for anyone. And we need to change the system. So once you get to that mindset shift, we want to learn and we want we want to grow. Well, then we got to put a new system in place. If we need to improve with literacy, we can drop that into instructional rounds. If we need mm-hmm. to improve with, um, you know, whatever, questioning and discussion techniques, engaging students, classroom management, I can drop that into this system that we have created. So once you view this professional development as a system change and not just something you're going to do, Mm -hmm. I think that's when you're going to see the, that's when you're going to see the value. Well said. Uh, Kevin Bross, thank you so much for joining us on What I Want to Know. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app so you can explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education and write a review of the show. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag W-I-W-T-K. For more information on Stride and online education, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.